Welcome to another episode of sales is not a dirty word. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first time listener, hopefully you'll become a long time listener. As always, I'm your show host, Alicia Barr, your revolutionary sales coach for solopreneurs and creator of this inspiring podcast. You can check me out at aliciabarr.com. Our podcast is all about alternative sales strategies, whether that's workshopping with people like you or meeting with other experts to bring you real help you can implement now. This episode is about old school sales versus new school sales with Jamie Rowe. Jamie Rowe is your non-conforming sales strategist and recovering awkward salesperson teaching entrepreneurs how to do sales in a balanced way. She loves working with creative thinkers who need a system and structure to make sales feel seamless. And her stories of epic sales fails and magnificent wins creates a lively discussion that is relatable for anyone that has trials and tribulations selling a product or service. Welcome to the big show. Sales is not a dirty word. Hi, Alicia. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, you know, love other women in sales for sure, but also other women who are unapologetically um, feminine in sales <laughs> that because for a long time, women felt like they needed to act like men to be Dude. good at sales. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And be more of like that toxic aggressive, um, not caring, manipulative, you know, all that stuff, but we'll get to that. Yes. I wanted to know, cause apparently you were an awkward salesperson, which sounds like a good story. How did you get into sales? If you felt awkward about it? Well, it was kind of, uh, once you own a business, you have to sell your product or service. Oh. Initially I've had six businesses and the first couple were not so great because I didn't, I hated sales. Like it was the ickiest, slimiest, grossest thing. So even people would like ask me questions. And if I knew it was going on the route that I'd have to sell them something, I would just pivot the conversation to something easier, like the weather or cats or, you know, whatever. Right. So I, at one point when I, my consulting business, I did sales process consulting. How funny is that? And I hated sales. And I was like, you know what? I should probably figure this out. Right. I mean, yeah. I remember even, oh my gosh, I, I was doing a sales call with this IT company. I was meeting this CEO of an IT company. And I remember first off, I had a panic attack in my car. Oh, I had the two proposals, you know, you print out two, three proposals. You don't know who's going to be there. So you have, yeah. I had it all printed out. I remember putting them in my hand and my hands were so sweaty, like, the proposal probably was like soaking, like that clammy, gross. Yeah. Uh-huh. I actually gave that to him when I walked in the conference room. So that's nice. Um, I'm sitting sure down. he didn't notice, but yeah. I'm sure he didn't notice. And he was so nice. Like, you know, when someone knows that you're nervous. Yeah. And you know it, they know it. Man, I kind of hate that. I hate that too, but it happens in sales, right? You get the butterflies or just full on panic attacks, can't breathe. So I remember sliding the proposal over. And what's the first thing they always do? I mean, they go to the last page so they can see the investment. Very good. Yes. You've been in sales. So they go to the last page and see how much this, how much is this going to cost? And while he's doing that, I can like feel my throat closing, you know, like the, like it's over and your chest is tight. Your hands are clammy. You're just sweating. And, um, he was like, do you want to drink a water? I'm like, Oh, fine. Just, just <laughs> keep reading. Just don't ask me any questions and just say yes. 
He did say yes. I think it was out of pity, if anything. I know, shocking. I think he felt so bad for me, but I probably underpriced myself. I probably yeah. overpromised and put too many things in it. Um, I, I did, uh, I probably put a discount right off the top without even him asking for. Right? Right. I did everything that shows that I had limiting beliefs about sales. I didn't feel worthy of it. And, you know, all those, those things that are screaming in our ear, it's kind of like, that inner critic driving around town and someone screaming at you in the back seat. Yeah. That's kind of what it's like when you're think, sometimes thinking about sales. When I used to think about sales in a sales call or afterward, like something was screaming, like, who do you think you are? You should discount. They're never going to hire you. You don't right. know what you're doing. You know, all those types of things. Yeah. And so um, I was like, I think I need to figure out how to figure out the sales thing because it's so uncomfortable. I mean, have you ever been uncomfortable in a sales situation where you're just like, this sucks? Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of times that people feel like there's a power imbalance, basically like you're being like, you know, opening yourself up to rejection. So you almost just want to like reject yourself before they can reject you. (laughs) Yeah. I used to do that with boyfriends when you, I don't know about this, but when you, I always felt a relationship was going downhill. I was like, Oh, um, break up with them because they're going to break up with you. Yeah. First. Right. Yeah, totally. That's a thing. Um, and I don't, I don't, I think sometimes that strategy with like romantic relationships is kind of valid. Um, but with sales, definitely, um, not you're shooting yourself in the foot. Um, so that's why you're like, just discounting your, like people discount themselves so much as it lowers the possibility of rejection, but then it feels like I'm desperate and compromising myself, which is also a horrible feeling. It's awful. And, and you're in essence, you're self-sabotaging yourself. Exactly. That's what it is. Good work. Yeah. If I feel like I'm not worthy and then if I lose the deal and I don't get it, then it's like, Oh, I told you, you weren't good at this. You're not good at sales. You're not good at what you do. Let's just validate. And there's a sad and twisted effed up way is there's comfort in that. Oh, I was right. You know, and your brain likes to be right. It's kind of like, um, and I, and I give this example is if you wake up in the morning and you say, today's going to be a great day. And anything that happens today, you're like, oh, today's going to be a great, great, you know, great day. But if you wake up in the morning um, and you're like, today's going to suck and you go downstairs, you make your coffee and it spills on uh, this happened actually this morning, I was sitting in my bed with coffee. Yes, I know I'm not supposed to have food in my bedroom, mom, but sorry, she doesn't live with me. That was weird. Um, (laughs) And I was, I was meditating and I was relaxing and um, this was right after I meditated and the mug slipped a little bit in my hand and it dumped coffee to the right all oh. over my white sheets in oh, my no. not a big deal, but in my mind, if I'm today's going to suck, I'd be like, I, Oh, I knew it. Today was going to suck. Yeah. The day started out with me dumping coffee. Someone, you know, cuts you off. You're like, Oh, I knew it. Today was going to suck. But if you switch to today's going to be great, you're going to have a different filter. And the day is going to be great because your brain wants to be right. So if you say it's this way, your brain is like, Oh, I want this to be this way. And it wants it to be right. So if you say sales sucks, it's terrible. I suck at sales. Your brain wants to confirm that and it will make you suck at sales and you self-sabotage. So you just need to flip that. Say I'm great at sales. Yeah. And, but you have to really kind of like believe it. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, you fake it to make it a little bit. Yeah. So it's, what did you do to get better when you felt so awkward? When you were like, I have um, to figure this out. What did you do? A variety of things. One is I had a very strong desire to do better. Okay. So that really strong desire, like, okay, I'm smart. I'm smart enough, right? I can figure this out. I'm a smart person. So I hired coaches, therapists, speaking coaches, sales coaches. I would go to sales boot camps, podcasts, books. Like I just drowned myself in a good way with data information. Yeah. I just ripped the bandaid off. I'm like, I've been avoiding this topic for so long. So I'm just going to immerse myself in as much information as possible and just keep trying and get rejected and not take it personally. That was a big issue for me. I took everything personally and I just removed myself from it being personal when someone said no to me. That was a big piece too. So it was just a lot of work where I kind of then made my system. I started bringing, balancing the masculine and the feminine. Okay. So I brought in the softness of the feminine Yeah, and I released the hardness, the, the, um, the rigidness in my body, the feeling that I'm manipulating, or if I'm good at sales and I'm a bad person, because bad people are good at sales. Mm. Our salesman, right? Matilda, Danny DeVito. He was a bad person and he was good at sales. So cognitively, I didn't want to have cognitive dissonance that if I'm good at sales and I'm a bad person, actually, if I'm good at sales, I'm a good person. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a mind, there was a shift in the mindset. And also Mm -hmm. there was a shift in my process where I didn't want to cold call anymore. So I just didn't. I instead shared what I did and I attracted the right people. Cool. Okay. So you binged so much material that you probably saw conflicting information because there's a lot out there. And most people say like, my way is the way it's not like take what you, what feels right from what I'm saying. And, you know, integrated into what you're doing that works. Like that wasn't a message you heard, right? It, It was usually like, this is the way, this is the way you do this script, you set this up, this is the process. And, um, I, one size isn't going to fit everyone. Like when you go to the store, one shirt's not going to fit everyone that walks into that store. So that's why I think it's so important to look at all a lot of different ways or hire a coach to help you customize it to who you are. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you need to do something that feels comfortable for you. That feels good. And then also help you um, calm in your nervous system, especially if you have some anxiety around sales. Um, I've met people who love tapping or meditation, grounding practices, um, put on some nice music and, you know, just kind of relax before you go and do a sales call. There's a variety of stuff to do also to prep and keep your nervous system in a place where you can show up authentically who you are. Yeah. It's funny. Like one of the things that really helps me, and I think I've talked about this before on the podcast is, um, if I'm on a phone call, I really like to color while I'm on the phone call. It helps me like listen better. It's actually a learning style to need to fidget with your hands. And I used to do in-person meetings all the time. So that usually looked like doodling, but pretending like I was taking notes. Um, and I was taking notes too, but something about keeping my hands busy, let me hear the other person more and like stay present. 
Um, I don't know. I've heard that there are others, but, um, Yeah. yeah, there's something calming about it. There's something calming about coloring. I love that so much. I call it um, my crazy papers. So oh, yeah. I always have a stack of blank. I don't like lines. I have them right here. Actually, this is part of one of my crazy papers from earlier today when I did a podcast. Um, and I write constantly. Like I'm not writing right now, but I process through writing and you process through coloring. And yeah. I and also too, I think it's relaxing the eye contact because sometimes that can be a lot sensory-wise. Yeah. And I mean, eye contact is so important with the other person, but I think that sometimes it can feel really, I, when the eye contact happens is more important than constant eye contact the entire time. Yes. That can be <laughs> like I yeah. talked to someone the other day and they weren't blinking much. And I'm like, can you just blink? Like what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> the no blinking thing, you know, along those lines, I was watching the Theranos documentary. I don't know if everybody else is watching that, but she was known for not blinking and it was very off-putting for people. However, she was still able to sell investors on, um, investing $900 million with her without any financial papers or authentication of her technology, which is an impressive sales talent right there. Like <laughs> to be honest, Yes, for sure. And if you look at, uh, cause I've read the book, I've watched part of the documentary and I'm enjoying it. I didn't know about the blinking thing. That's in, but I could totally see that kind of like Charles Manson, you know, how he had no eye movement and that signifies the crazy pants, right? I didn't She's know that be somewhere in that. So, right. When you have, when you talk and when you're thinking your eyes actually move based on what you're thinking about recalling memories or dreaming up new memories, turning to the left, right, down sideways. Huh. It's a weird science that I learned a long time ago. Um, and so, but if you watch Charles Manson, his eyes actually, when he's talking, he doesn't blink and he looks straight ahead and does not move his eyes as he's speaking. That signifies something's not right upstairs. Oh, uh, well, she would look straight in your eyes and she'd do it real wide eyed and no <laughs> blinking. Um, and people were like, this girl, the, the impression is this is intense. This is an intense person. Um, and those little subconscious things do totally make a difference. Um, it's interesting that like you studied where the eye movement was and stuff. Um, but how did you like come up with the way that works so well for you um, and was comfortable because you're like a powerhouse now. And I know that you're just really natural and comfortable with it and put the person at ease that's across from you. Yeah, I failed a lot. Like Santa lists <laughs> a lot. Like I made a lot of mistakes even afterward. I would call people and be like, why didn't I get this deal? What do I have to lose? Why don't I just ask them, right? At that point, you just put your ego to the side. You put your ego to the side and be like, all right, I need to figure out what I'm doing wrong. And I would just ask them. And sometimes it wasn't even anything that had to do with me because I wanted to make an assumption that it was my fault. I did something wrong, but usually it was like the service wasn't the right fit or the product isn't the right fit. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think it really has to do with the, I mean, sometimes it has to do with the person. If you're like a really annoying person. Um, but most of the time it's that you're not articulating what you do in a way where the other person understands that it's a fit for them. So it's not necessarily that your service wasn't right fit. Cause I don't think you would have gone to the meeting if it was like straight up, wasn't a fit. It probably, it might've been like the way that they heard it presented sounded like it wasn't a fit or something. Yes. So I need to refine my presentation or yes, exactly. Right. And so, Oh, go ahead. The words is what I was going to say. Not you. (laughs) 
it was the words. <laughs> That's right. Let's blame it on the words. It's the words. <laughs> yeah, I think it's about trying different things. I think too is I've done work with DISC, with human design, lots of different assessments and finding out what works for me. And the best way to sell to different profiles was a huge, um, huge game changer for me. Oh, cool. Okay. Because I thought everyone bought like I did. I make yeah. decisions fast. I I'm very decided. I'm a high D on disc. And, um, I thought everyone made decisions. They asked very straightforward questions. Um, you know, very focused on the data and things like that, but that's not true. Right. Yeah. So some people are more orientated towards, I mean, relationships. And I definitely, I honor relationships a great deal. That's a big part of my stuff too, but more so sometimes people don't even really look at the data and that it's about, they like you and that's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have noticed that as well. It definitely depends on like how often they're getting, like, I noticed that more with people who have just been sold to so much in their life that they're like, okay, it comes down to the person. And if I get good vibes, because I've just made a wrong decision so many times based on a sales pitch that I'm not going to get fooled. Um, by a a smooth person? Are they a person that I can trust? And kind of speaking to like what you were saying about, you know, being authentic and asking them, like, it's so human of you to say, you know, what may I ask? Like, why, why not? And people really just want to feel like they're talking to another person. I forget who I was talking to recently about CEOs. They're like, starving for it even more than the average person. Cause they're constantly being pitched to by salespeople. They just want a normal human. Who's not trying to sell them. Who's just like, what's going on? Like what? Right. what? Yeah. Right. Be real with me. And also when I'm, when I'm pitching, I look at that person, I think, do I want to be partners with them? Can I really make an impact for them? And if I see myself as a partner, I speak to them as if we're partners already. And Mm -hmm. even sometimes I've said, and I, this happened recently. I mean, probably I would say about six times last year, I told them I'm not a good fit for you. And here's what I would refer you to, or go do this first and come back in six months or three months. And so then they, then it's like implicit trust. But I also know if I was to work with them, it would have bombed. It would have totally bombed. They weren't ready. I'm not the right fit. So I want to say, how would I want to be treated? Like, be honest with me, right? Because I've been in the place where, you know, you're trying to choose vendors, you know, my distribution business where very high intense business. That was the business I took to a million. I had a ton of vendors. I had about 20 different sales reps nationwide. Things were moving fast. I was constantly pitched to. Um, And I've been on that other side and I'm so respectful of people in those positions where they're constantly being sold to. So I wish more people were partners with me. Yeah. That's such a good point. Like the experience of being in the other person's seat. And it's something that actually I do in my mastermind. A lot of times I'll get the people to role play as a prospect and then like stop and be like, wait, how do you feel right now? Do you like, do you feel like this person's selling you? Do you feel like this person cares about you? Do you feel like this person's trying to understand you? Are you offended by their questions? Cause a lot of times we think like, oh my God, I can't ask that. It's like too, it's too pushy or it's too weird. And they just want me to get to the price. And so I need to like rush through the whole conversation and then just like tell them the price or whatever. But when they're in that other seat, they can get the perspective of like, no, those questions were like, they were trying to understand what I needed. And I wasn't annoyed by them. 
at all. And it is so powerful. I wish that every salesperson could like, I don't know, be a prospect for a bit. I bet that helped you a lot. Yeah. I love that you do that in the mastermind. I think too, is we make a lot of assumptions. Oh like God, yeah. People made an assumption that I'm bothering them. I'm pestering them. Oh, I can't tell you how many people where I'm like, Hey, let's talk about all your deals this week. Pull up your CRM. Let's break down each one. What's going on with each one. And they're like, well, I don't want to follow up because I, I, I'm pestering her. And I was like, here's the deal. 80% of deals close after the fifth follow-up yeah. five times, five follow-ups. People are busy. Make it easy for them. Keep following up, do it and ask permission when you want to be followed up and all that. There's some finesse to that, but is to um, not make assumptions. And I say to them, well, I don't want to pester. I'm like, are you making an assumption or is that a truth? And they're like, well, I guess it's an assumption. I'm like, okay, then let's talk about it because what your experience may not be their same ex past experiences. So what does it hurt to reach out? Um, and so that is kind of, that's a, I find that with women more than men, women are less likely to follow up than men. And I, and I don't know if it's like, cause in our culture, you know, men usually pursue women and they have to huh. really try harder in, in the courting process and their hunting type of thing. And we just kind of wait sometimes it depends on the balance of your feminine and masculine, but on average, I see that. So women are not necessarily the pursuers. They are being pursued. Right. So when sales flips, it's a different mindset shift to start pursuing someone else. That makes sense. Yeah. I found what helps a lot is like empathy of like, and women are usually really good at empathy. They're just doing it in a weird way in the instance that you're describing. Like they're like, um, assuming the worst with empathy, but it's like, keep in mind that the person you're following up with, you are not a priority. Okay. They have a ton of stuff going on in their life. Like they have kids to get to school and shit. They got their own sales. They're trying to make, they have pro bosses. They're trying to impress. They've got like you buying something from you is just not top of mind. And it's not personal that it's not at all. If you were in that position, you would feel the same way. And that's why it's so easy to forget. So when someone reaches out, you're like, Oh, Oh yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, I appreciate when people are like here, actually, I, Hey, I know you have a lot on your plate, but here's the proposal. Do you have any questions? I remember I had um, a client lover to pieces and, and I know she'd be okay with this. I'm not going to share any names, but I sent her a lead and I said, Hey, this person needs your services. Here's the intro. She replied back. I almost was like, I can't have we not talked about anything? She replied like, Hey, happy to help you. Just check out my website and just book a call. Ew. Oh, I'm no. like, what? Like, did what? you not want the sale? It sounded like she didn't want it. She was like, Oh, I, I can't did. bother my. We had a whole conversation about, I'm like, I don't know, maybe suggest sometimes send a link, send, you know, call them like, for crying out loud, someone is raising their hand and say, I want to work with you. Did, did she not want and the sale? She could have helped him too. What's that? Did she, did she want the sale? I don't think so. Well, that's what oh. we conclusion came is. Oh, I don't want to do this anyway. And so she was sabotaging the whole business. Oh. That's, a whole other, that's a whole other topic. Oh, a whole but, other mindset. Thing. Yeah. Well, but it's good for that to come up. And sometimes that bubbles up. I want to get to the root cause. I want to get the root cause of what's going on with um, 
maybe some sales behaviors that are happening because then, then we can work on it and really make some big shifts. I don't want to work on the surface stuff, right? Cause that's, it's temporary and it's not going to help you long-term. Let's get to the root of things so that we can move forward and get the results you want. Yeah. Like we're not talking about the eight words not to say <laughs> or whatever to say. What's that? I just like that stupid shit that people say. <laughs> Um, I mean, like very tactical, like there are words. I don't, I I try to tell people not to say, I think, or I love because it's an opinion and not a fact, um, you know, rather saying in my experience, or if this is the result you're, you want, this is what I would recommend or something like that. But I mean, like, that's like the little tiny in like that alone is not going to make you a rock star salesperson, you know, those little granular things, they're like sprinkles on top of the cupcake, um, little tiny sprinkles. So, um, yeah, I was talking to somebody recently about how entrepreneurship is such a mindset thing. And so is sales sales is so much energy and intention. Like if you're in a bad mood, I've never seen anyone sell anything in a bad mood, like just reschedule the call. Um, in, in it, or if you're really tired or whatever, cause you might as well just not take, take it anyway. Um, but like what you're saying where you kind of peel back, I hope everybody listening to the podcast can, can think of like, when you do something that doesn't get the result you want, peel back the motivation behind that, which is what you're saying, right, Jamie? Yes, exactly. And, and could it be a self-sabotage behavior? which can happen a lot again, because we don't want to be good at sales because that means we're a bad person. That's the old way of looking at things. But when it comes down to the end of the day, it's, it's about not selling. It's about serving. And I know that's kind of a little bit of cliche thing with selling right now. Well, you haven't heard of it. um, Welcome to the party. We're talking about surfing here today because here's the thing is, I think the reframe is if you're worried about being slimy, when you sales, sell or sleazy. I hate that word so much, but it's so explains it. Yeah. Know that you, um, that's actually a really good trait. That means that you care. That yeah. That it's like care. the mom worried about being the bad mom. Like you're probably not a bad mom if you're worried about it. Unless you're on that show. Some of those were bad moms, but what show the movie bad moms. Oh, I didn't see it. <laughs> were they really bad moms? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. I remember some pretty parts where I'm like, um, kids leave the room. Just not watch this part. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but no, is that the reframe here is that you are a caring person. That's why you're thinking about this. So even more so you care so much. I bet the impact you have is incredible for your clients. And that's why I love working with people who have this feeling of, oh my gosh, um, I don't want to be a bad person and I want to be a good person and, and that they have a really great service or product because they are the ones that make the impact in this world. I want to help those people. If someone comes to me and they have no issues with sales, they're fine with manipulating people and selling stuff that they don't need. They have a crappy product or service. I'm not going to work with them. I don't want to help those people. I'm going to help the people that actually care. I so agree. And I, uh, you know, if, if those people can't figure out how to sell, They're doing a disservice, ironically, because those people are are going to spend money with somebody, just not you and probably somebody who's better at sales and worse at delivering. So it's like kind of about saving them a little bit. 
Um, sometimes people are always like, how do I talk about competition? And I'm like, empower them with information. So like, okay, you're talking to other people. These are the things to make sure that they do that. A lot of people don't ask and then get stuck. Yeah. Um, That's a tough conversation when people, you mean, when they're, they say, I'm comparing you to other people and looking at competitors. Yeah. I always say, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to give an example, but, but what do you say? I was just going to say is, I don't know about the, I don't know about XYZ company, but I do know is about our product and service. And you just re you reshift the con- yeah. shift conversation back to what the impact you can make the offerings and what their needs are and how you can fit those for them. I don't ever talk about competition. There's no reason to in my mind. I don't know the competition that well. I mean, even if yeah. I do, I'm not going to talk about it. So the example I was going to give was like, I used to sell a lot of paid search and the issue with paid search is that a lot of people will build out a paid search campaign in like the agency's Google account and then hold their information hostage. So I would be like, that's, I just want to like, make sure to ask anybody that you're talking to, like, are you going to build it in my Google account? Just because so often I've seen this happen. So you're kind of like doing it with their best interests in mind, like educating them a little bit and like empowering, like it should, when done right, it doesn't feel like trashing the competition. It feels like I just want to make sure that you're taken care of more so, you know what I mean? I super love that because I just think of a client of mine who she's an interior designer and one of in her drip campaign, it's how to choose the right interior designer. And she gives tips on what to look for, make sure they're asking this, you know, and I love that because then you're, you're educating, you're teaching them how to fish. And also it's going to redirect back to you because you do all those things, the good things, right. Of Of how to choose the best. Of Of course. And you're not saying like, it's gotta be, you're not saying it's gotta be me. I want you to make the right decision for you. And this is going to help you make the right decision for you. Even if it's not me. Yeah. Very true. I like that. Let's do that. Okay. So that's a good stopping point for us. And so we've reached the end of yet another episode of sales is not a dirty word. And this episode was about old school sales versus new school sales. So thanks again to Jamie for making an appearance as our guest today. And can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and how they can work with you? Yes, absolutely. So the name of the company is impact to income. So you can find me impact to income program.com. And I also have some really funny reels on Instagram, impact to income. Um, if you're into human design, you'll will love all of those pieces on there and sales, balancing masculine and feminine. And I think that's kind of in LinkedIn. Come find me, please. I will accept you. Say you heard me on this podcast. <laughs> okay. Amazing. This has been the sales is not a dirty word podcast where we show you how to sell convert up to 80% of the people you talk to without pain pitching or pretending to be someone else. So thank you all for listening and we will see you next time.